The Song of Songs makes me blush. How in the world do we gain wisdom from sensual Hebrew love poetry? Hey guys, this is Cherie at Bible Project. In this episode of Reflections, we are completing our wisdom series with the ancient love poetry of Song of Songs. Carissa has some fascinating insights from her studies to share with us. Dan will read from chapter 8, and stay tuned for the end when we'll have a chance to reflect on love and intimacy together. Listen in. Hi, it's Carissa at Bible Project. In this reflection, we're looking at the last of the three books associated with the wise king Solomon. It's the Song of Songs. It's a book full of somewhat erotic poetry between two lovers, and it has a dreamlike movement from one scene to the next without transition. As love poetry, this book is unlike any other in the Bible. So how do we gain wisdom from this book? Ellen Davis is a Hebrew Bible scholar who's done a lot of work on the Song of Songs, and I really like how she sees it. She calls it an iconographic text. Do you know what an icon is? It's a work of art common in the Eastern Orthodox Christian traditions that represents a biblical person or story. For example, the Madonna and Child, or Mary with baby Jesus, is a famous type of icon. Often they're done on wood with gold leaf or sometimes as murals or mosaics. So if we think of the Song of Songs as an iconographic text or like an icon, how does this help us understand it? Well, let's think about what icons do. First, icons are reflections on the story of God and humanity. They contain symbols and images of the biblical theological story. Second, icons are a window between two worlds, the earthly world we sense around us and the world of the transcendent or spiritual. An icon is an image of the earthly realm, but it shows us our world in a spiritual light. Third, often various icons are placed side by side in a church, especially on what's called a screen in an Orthodox church. They're all different, but also unified and arranged around an image of Jesus. Fourth, in an Orthodox church, it's this screen of icons that separates the priestly area, where holy acts are performed, from the main sanctuary. So it's like the curtain of icons is at the entrance to the Holy of Holies. The Song of Songs, like an icon, is an imaginative theological reflection that echoes other parts of scripture. It's made up of different dreamlike scenes, but unified, especially around the image of the garden. The garden is the lover's setting and also a metaphor for the woman's body. As you read the song, you'll hear echoes of the Garden of Eden and also of the temple with its garden-like decor, flowers, fruit, the tree-like lampstand, colors, cherubim, cedar. Entering the temple was meant to give one the sensory experience of entering the garden, and reading the Song of Songs is meant to be an imaginative experience of entering the temple and the garden. If you recall, in Genesis 1, there's an intimate connection between the humans and between the humans and God. Both the garden and the garden-like temple are where God's presence dwells on earth and where humans are invited into relationship with him. But tragically, the intimacy of the garden and the temple are disrupted. 
In the garden story, the humans are exiled from God's presence. Between male and female, distrust and power imbalance occurs. And between humanity and creation, there's a loss of unity as the ground will no longer easily produce for the humans. As with the garden, when the temple is destroyed, access to God's presence is disrupted. The nation is oppressed by superpowers, and the land is utterly ruined. So the garden and the garden-like temple represent an intimate connection with God, and the exile from those places was the loss of that intimacy. There's a rupture between all three primary spheres of relationship. Relationship with God, love between humans, and unity with the created world. The Song of Songs is the third garden story, and it's all about healing these ruptures. The song responds to these areas of brokenness by echoing or reusing language from the garden and the temple to depict repair. The song depicts intimate connection through a portrayal of a love relationship. The Garden of Lovers imagines intimacy that repairs the disconnection of Genesis 3. It's as if the love and unity between these two characters recalls the original design of human connection. So, whereas in the exile from the garden, God warns the woman, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you, Now in the song, the woman says, My darling is mine, and toward me is his desire. It's a reversal, reusing earlier language. There's profound mutuality between the woman and the man. And like an icon, the Song of Songs speaks of the earthly realm of love and desire, but it's also a window into the heavenly realm. The psalm is like the curtain for entering the Holy of Holies. In fact, a famous rabbi, Akiva, is known to have called scripture holy, but the Song of Songs the Holy of Holies. Here's an example. The woman in the song calls her lover the one whom my whole being loves. In Hebrew, it's sheahava nafshi. It's a unique and awkward phrase. Sometimes when this happens, it's a signal to us as readers that the author is using words intentionally to create a connection to another text. So here, this phrase actually recalls the Shema given to Israel in Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love Yahweh your God with your whole being, usually translated soul. So when we hear the woman's heart for her lover, we're immediately drawn into the love relationship between God and humanity. Intimacy between humans and between God and humanity is the goal of all creation. And add to that something we might not usually think of, a healed creation. The biblical authors are really tuned into the idea that creation will be healed as these two love relationships are healed. That's a bigger topic, but as you read the song, pay attention to language about the restoration of the land and its creatures. As intimacy is cultivated on the earth, creation thrives. Song of Songs 2, 11, and 12 says, For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. It's a harmonious picture of repair of the ruptures in every way. 
So as we read the Song of Songs, we're invited into the mysterious and powerful act of imagining. Like looking at a beautiful icon or mural, we're invited to imagine a world where heaven and earth are united, where intimacy is sought and experienced between male and female, between spouses, among humanity broadly, between all humanity and the holy God, and where our own dark places are intimately loved by the God of the universe. We're called to imagine being seen, known, loved, and seeing, knowing, and loving. And we're called to imagine a thriving creation. When we love and are deeply loved, we can imagine the world as it one day will be. And right now, where we are, we can experience a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus. And through him, we can experience and express true intimacy and love for one another. And one day, these glimpses and expressions of love will be fully realized. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all of the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. Let's review together. We all long to experience what it means to be truly seen, known, and loved by God and by others. We want to fully give ourselves to deep relationships untainted by fear, separation, or pain. Deep down, isn't this what we are all searching for? The Song of Songs is our dream, a dream that imagines the unity of heaven and earth God and humanity, man and woman. One day this dream will be fully realized, but until then we have access to unity with Jesus. He invites us into a real and intimate relationship, and in Him we can know a love that cannot be quenched or swept away, a love that can overflow towards others and heal creation. It's true. Let's reflect on this. I have three things for you to consider today. Listen closely, and if you need more time, just press pause. Here's our first reflection. Think about an inspiring romantic relationship that you witnessed in real life, a movie, or a book. What most inspired you about it?
Here's our next reflection. What is one feature of that romance that could give you an example of what it means to be in a relationship with God? And now our last reflection. What is one thing that might be hindering intimacy in your relationship with God? What is one small step you can take to grow and overcome in that area today? Thanks for joining us for today's reflection. Now, before we go, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for inviting us into a real relationship with you. We long for the day that all things will be united, for the day that we'll see you face to face. But until then, we have you now, and by your Spirit, we can know you today. We admit we forget that sometimes, that we can seek you and find you in this very present moment. So help us remember and believe that we don't have to wait to know your love. You long for us to experience the beauty and the power of your love today. So give us courage to know you intimately and let you love us. Amen. If you want to reflect more on what it means to be in an intimate relationship with God, we have a video and even more detailed questions for personal study or group discussion. Check it out at bibleproject.com study. All right, today's message was by Dr. Carissa Quinn. Our show production and scripture reading was by Dan Gummel. Our theme music was by Grant William Harold, And I'm Shree Hayes, your host. Reflections is more than a podcast. It's a community of friends who are reflecting on the Bible all throughout the week. Friends like Vijay. Hello, I'm Vijay from New Delhi, India. One thing I love about Reflections podcast is that it makes the Bible present to us in the way Jews had experienced God then. Thanks, Vijay. It was so great to hear from you. We love that you're a part of the Reflections community. Bible Project is a crowd-funded nonprofit. We provide free resources that show how the Bible is one brilliant story that leads to Jesus. We couldn't do it without generous people like you. Thank you for joining this project.